Well, good morning, Porch community. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Um, I wanted to say a couple of things before we get started this morning. I'm your announcement video. Um, so do I need to have a little intro music or anything? No, just I'll just get to it. Um, it's Really, it is good to see you all, especially after the last... Um, what week and a half that we've had <laughs> together as a community. Um, if this happens to be your first time, a welcome to you. We're really glad that you're here and, and you're part of, of today's worship service. And we hope that you'll um, let us know you're here and visit the connections desk before you leave so we can say good morning to you. Um, I want to tell you a couple of things before we jump in the message today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16 if you want to go ahead and turn there. But a few announcements. Um, I'm very excited to tell you. Uh, we already had our first meeting, but the Central American mission trip that's going to be at the first part of 2024, um, we have an info meeting. We had one after the first service, and uh, we'll have one right after this service in Classroom 3, which we also call the Couch Room. Um, so it's just right back here in this hallway. Uh, if you want to just, if you're finding out info, you're not signing up or anything, just to know more about this trip. So I know like nine or so people were in there. Uh, after the first service. So if you want to know more, stick around. Short meeting, a little bit of info for you to do that. Um, I also want to say this, definitely, in light of what we've all been through. Um, I want and I know you'll be like, oh, it's no big deal. But I want, I really do want to say a sincere thank you for being people who uh, you step forward whenever you see a need. You do this over and over and over again. I have seen and read through social media and heard from you as I've talked to you. I have so many people, example after example, of how you have really been the hands and the feet of Christ over these to your neighbors and to your community over these last several days. I mean, truly. And um, just thank you for being those people. Your, your grill team, we have a grill team here. Uh, last Saturday, so the second, um, in just a little bit of notice, got together and grilled up several hundred hamburgers and hot dogs. And then we went and distributed them to four different housing complexes of people that didn't have power and pretty impoverished areas that didn't have a lot of resources. And it just like that, it happened. And uh, uh, what was the other thing we did? Um, just a, and these are just the things that I know of the, through the church. You guys did so much with your neighbors and those around you. But um, again, with just a couple of days' notice, we had a campus cleanup day. You might not even notice when you came on campus today. It might have looked normal. That tree's a little wonky looking now, but otherwise it looks pretty normal. Um, but about 35 of you showed up and you brought your chainsaws and rakes and everything and. In a couple of hours, uh, you helped. So thank you. Uh, what do we say? Following Jesus for our community. We could say following Jesus with rakes and chainsaws and sweat um, for our community. Because that's kind of what a lot of us have done over the, over the past couple of days. We've, we've done a lot of manual labor. Uh, I want to say one more thing. And then we're going to jump into the message. But this is all in the same, same vein of, of saying thank you. Um, you know, my two thoughts about all of what's transpired over the last uh, few days are, one, thank you, you've said that, and then two, and I mean this sincerely, it's like, wow, I get to be a part of a church, of a group of people who have that mindset, who have that, tell me where, when, and I'll, and I'll go, you know, I'll show up, you know, I'll be there. Um, 
one of the things uh, I want to share important, an important word about our giving. Um, summer is notoriously uh, a lower time for giving. It's just kind of how it is in the church world. We plan for that. We adjust for that. And of course, we all know that prices for everything are, are crazy higher than they used to be. Um, and so we've seen the costs and expenses in our church, just like we see in our personal budgets, kind of go up. Um, now that we're back from summer vacation and we're post Labor Day and, and our routines, what we know is that routine, we set our routines and they kind of set for the semester until December. And what I would like to do, and I'm purposely having this conversation with y'all now, um, is to ask each of you to take the time this week to consider your giving to the ministries of the church. Um, if you're a ministry partner, one of the things that you have committed to do is to financially support the ministries of the church. If you're not a ministry partner yet, but you call us your church, um, this is a great time to start to develop these habits of giving. Um, Drew and I, uh, after talking this week, we increased our giving. Um, as of this week, it wasn't a whole lot more, but it was, it was an increase because I'm not going to ask anyone to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And I sent a message out to our church leadership this week, and I asked them to pray with me about a couple of things. And I wanted to share with you those three things because it's not just for our leadership to pray for. I think it's uh, something for us to consider as well. But the three things I asked for them to, to pray with me about is, first of all, is that each of us as ministry partners... For us to start giving something if we aren't giving anything. If we're ministry partners and we've committed to support the ministries of the church, then for each of us to start giving something even if we're not, if we're, if we're not giving anything. Secondly, it's for each of us as ministry partners to give consistently if we haven't been consistent. Um, I know that oftentimes in my life when I think about when I was giving, especially when I was a single person, I would be like, well, I gave. I mean, it was several months ago, but I gave, so I'm giving. I wasn't consistent in my giving. And then thirdly, the, what I asked our leadership to pray for, and I'm asking you as well, is for those ministry partners who can give more to do so if you're able. Um, that's the decision that Drew and I uh, made this week. You know, you hear each week in the announcement video, and you're probably wishing now that there was an announcement video versus me, um, <laughs> but you hear about giving online and going through your bank or the QR code in the chair in front of you or the envelopes, uh, the website, you hear about those things. But here's, here's what I really want you to hear. The mode of giving is much less important than the heart of the giver. And I don't know if we always hit that mark when we talk about giving, we talk about the mode, but today I want to address the heart of the giver. And so what I'm asking is that you would take a few moments, all of us would, to consider your giving to the ministries of the church. It's an important reminder for all of us, especially in this time when we are in, the time that we're in right now. Um, today we're sharing communion together and because the announcement videos and everything, I'll ask the ushers that when they direct you to uh, communion, they'll also receive the offering at that time as well. Um, again, I, I want to say this before we jump in. Thank you for being people who step forward when you see and you know of a need. All right. Um, all right. So Acts chapter 16. 
the, the message for today was in, intended for last week. And, you know, we have it all laid out and set and everything. And Justin was going to preach today on Acts in in uh, later verses, and I said, hey, I really think this message needs to happen today, especially post-Idalia, which, by the way, do you say Idalia or Idalia? Nine o'clock was much more responsive to that. Do you say Idalia? Who says Idalia? What do we do? You, it's Idalia, you just drop the V. That's all it is. But if you listen to people on TV, they're like, Idalia. So I'm sure that's the proper like, term for that. But you know, post-Idalia, this is kind of, um, it's a timely message. And uh, so I wanted to share that with you. So we just kind of re, we re, we adjusted our plan for, for the Sundays coming up. So we're in Acts 16, but I'm actually going to start with a verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And it'll be on the screen, verse 13. Think about this, okay? It's in light of what we've been through in the last 10 days. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? I promise it'll hopefully make a little more sense as we get there. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? See, in our vernacular, in our vocabulary, how we talk about things, crooked is bad and straight is good, right? Right, that crooks are called crooks because they're crooked. They're not going the straight and narrow. That's, this is why we, it's, we think this, crooked, bad, straight, good. And so this is kind of how we are. But what scripture says here in Ecclesiastes is, if, if God's made it what we call crooked, if God's made it, then that's what it is. That's good if it's what God's up to, if he's working this out. So here's the translation of that. If scripture is telling us life is full, there's detours. Who had to turn around this past 10 days? (laughs) Every other road, right? Life is full of detours. Anyone been inconvenienced? For the last two days, <laughs> right? We've detours and inconveniences. Anyone been uncomfortable? Like we are so, we have been, air conditioning is just so good. And um, not having it is so bad. Um, like this is what we're seeing here. Just because we, it's not good to us doesn't mean it's not good. And I'm not saying the whole storm and everything was good. I'll get there. All right. We'll get to the point. Here's what we do. We see the fastest route. We see the most convenient route. We see what's going to cause the least, make the least ways. What is going to have the quickest turnaround for us? What's the most expedient process to get something done? Finish this line for me. The shortest distance between two points is what? Good job. See, you beat nine o'clock on that one. That was good. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That's, that's our mindset. That's how, that's how I work. I don't know if that's how y'all work, but that's how my mind works. That's how I look at my day and my schedule and everything. What's the best way, the quickest way, the fastest way? We want things to be easy. We want things to be efficient. We want it to be a straight line. And my goal for this message, I have a goal, is for us to learn, to look at scripture and learn by faith to be okay with detours and with things that we go, hang on, that's crooked. That's crooked. We should straighten that out to be okay with detours, to be okay with the slowdowns, to be okay with this for us to trust God when our plans, our determinations, our destinations, when our directions along the way look very differently than how we thought they would be. And we're going to see all of this in Acts 16, uh, beginning in verse 6. 
Now, little context, Paul is on his second missionary journey. What Paul and his group of people are doing, Luke is recording most of this, um, his group of people, they're, they're living out the key verse of all of the book of Acts, which is Acts 1-8, where Jesus says, you'll re- the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Paul and his group are living out this, this uh, it's not even a command, I think that's interesting. Acts 1-8 is not a command. It's not like, here's the Holy Spirit, and now you're going to go. It's like, no, no. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses. That's, isn't that true, the Holy Spirit? When the Holy Spirit's working in your life, you're going to be a witness. You're not going to be able to contain the truth of the gospel, the, the reality of Scripture, when, when you're living into that fully. So they're living this out, Acts 1-8, and they're on their second missionary journey, and you can probably go and look in your Bibles and look at the, at the maps and see where you'll see four different squiggly lines of what Paul was up to. Well, the second missionary journey is most definitely a squiggly line, okay? Paul's second journey, it doesn't quite, if you were mapping this out for him, if you were setting the plan for Paul, it would look differently than the way it played out, Okay? So they launch into this, they're, they're living it out, they're, they're sharing Jesus, they're covering new ground. Verse 6 of Acts 16, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and then listen to this, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Well, it doesn't, that doesn't seem like what we normally read when we read the scriptures, Right? Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but, here it is again, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. That's, that's not what we usually read in the scriptures. It's like, come on in. You go to the city, come on in. Tell us about Jesus. This is what we read. Verse 8, so they passed by Mysia, and they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got up, because remember Luke's recording this, he's with them. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, now I know, uh, unlike me, you guys know your ancient Asian uh, geography, and you know all the geography and the cities of the provinces of Asia, and when I read about Phrygia and Galatia, you're like, got it, I know exactly where that is, right? Okay, thank you. (laughs) Um, We're going to see how, we're going to see the importance of this in just a moment. But here's what I want us to do as we look at this passage and the application. See, here's the deal. This is a historical account. This is a recorded account of the work of a person who was following after God, and this is what they did. And there was Luke who recorded very well and said, here's where we were, here's what we did. These are the cities we went to, and it's all here. And you go, that's wonderful. That's a great account of what happened. But what we want to do is today, let's take this historical account and go, all right, so the powerful work of God by his Holy Spirit is that I can read his word from something that happened then. 
and I can, I can look at it through the lens of right now, 2023, and God can speak to us and teach us and direct us through his word. And that's what my goal is for us today, is for us to, to maybe remove uh, the lens that we look at our lives, because here's, here's how I tend to go. I go, okay, this is my calendar, this is my agenda, this is what I have plans, these are my goals, this is what I'm doing, and I just kind of expect God to do a little sprinkle blessing on those things. Anyone else? And so instead, let's remove that lens, and, and let's, with Acts 16, put the lens on of, of God's word and, and go, okay, What's, what's God's purpose? What's he doing? What's God doing here? And what, is he, what, what, what does he want me to do with this? Let's look through that lens. So let's be on a journey, just like Paul and his crew are. Let's be on a journey. And if we're going on this journey to see what God's up to, there's some things we're going to need. And I want to share with you three of those. The first one is this, we need God's direction. If we're going on a journey, if we're doing anything, we need God's direction. I don't need my direction. We need God's direction in our life. Paul's second missionary journey, it looks like this discouraging zigzag. They're planning to go to one city and the Holy Spirit forbade them from going in there. Why? That doesn't make sense. Well, so then they go to, all right, well, I guess we'll go to this city. But what does it say? The spirit of Jesus said, no, don't go there. Detour after detour. Listen, they're living out Acts 1-8. They have very good intentions. It's not like they're like going into city to just do whatever they want, to hang out. They're going to share the gospel of Jesus. That's their plan. And yet the spirit's like, nope, don't go there. Nope, don't go there. Detour after detour. This is a crooked path, they would say. They're on a crooked path. Anyone want to just go ahead and confess? I'll put my hand up first. If you've ever felt like you lack direction when you're following God, like, where am I going? Okay. Here's some good news. Rest assured, you're in good company. Paul, like, disciple extraordinaire is, is here, and he's living this out. He didn't know exactly what was going on. If you've ever felt like you lack direction... You're in good company with Paul. So Paul's taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, doing exactly what God told them to do, to go and preach. And, and, and this is so crazy to me that the same spirit that we read about, that Jesus promised in Acts 1, that we read about in Acts 2, the same spirit that fills the church, that fills the disciples, that changes the way we actually interact with God because there, now the Holy Spirit of God lives in those who believe, all of this sets up. The same spirit that this happened is also saying now, no, don't go and do that. Don't go into that city. Don't go there. Saying no to really good plans. Really good plans. So as you seek God's direction, know this. No is a direction just like yes is. No is just as much a direction as yes is. We don't like that, but it's just as much a direction. God, should I do this? No. But, but it's really, it's a good plan. I, it's, it's, the intentions are great. No. No is just as much a direction. So, First thing we need to know, we're going on this journey together. We need God's direction. It's, it's imperative. 
Otherwise, we, we need God's direction. We also need this. We need God's vision. We need God's vision. Verse 9 of this uh, passage in six, uh, Acts 16 it's a vision, this vision appears to Paul, and it's this man from Macedonia. Again, I know you know your geography, but I'll explain it for those that don't in just a minute. And there's this man in Macedonia, and he's begging them, please come over here. Please come over here and help us. Now, up to this point, the gospel, the good news that, that Jesus said you're going to go and share in Acts 1-8, the gospel was only, had only gone out on the continent of Asia. Macedonia was across the way, across the water in Europe. They're in Asia. They're in a port city called Troas. It's modern day Turkey. Macedonia was a region in the northern part of Greece, which is in Europe. See, here's the deal. Paul's vision was good. He wanted to go to Bithynia over there in the region of uh, Phrygia or they went through Phrygia and Galatia. They went to all those towns, right? They had a plan. They wanted to go there. His, small, his vision though was small. Here's the deal. Paul wanted cities and God's like, I've got a continent for you to go to, Paul. I mean, you've, you've been going to the cities and you've been faithful, but I've got a continent I want you to go to. We've got this gospel is going to go out much further than what you ever thought it would. See, his vision was smaller. This is why we need God's vision. We're going to limit anything. If we're trying to do anything in the name of Jesus without any sort of like input from him, it's going to be so small, even with the best of intentions. Paul wanted cities, God wanted a continent. See, a no from God is always a yes to something bigger and better. Always, always, if you get a no from God, if you're hearing a no from God, trust that there's something bigger and better coming. So we need God's direction. We need God's vision, not just our vision. His vision is better. His timing is better. His strategy is perfect. It might look crooked to us, but it's perfect. You know what would be an incredibly unpopular prayer to pray? It would be certainly not something that you'd find like crocheted on anything or, or like laminated as a bookmark. Is something like, uh, God, please, by your grace, would you shut down every plan that I ever have to serve you? You know, please, God, would you, uh, that if you don't intervene, would, would my plans fail? But that should be really the heart of a person who's like, I need God's direction. I want to have God's vision. And I, and I, want, to, I want to be faithful to live this out. That's a very tough prayer to pray. So Paul has this dream, this vision, right? How in the world does he know it's from God and not from the, the gas station sushi that they hit up the night before? Like, how does he know that that vision is not some just random dream that he had? How does he know? Well, here's the third and final point, and it's actually um, not explicitly mentioned in the text in Acts 16, but I know it's there because of when you look at all the other work of Paul, okay? Here's the third thing. So we need God's direction. We need God's vision. You ready for the third one? It's a big one. Prayer. 
Oh, come on, Shannon. <laughs> I thought you had something better than that. Um, but this is, this is huge. This is massive. And here's why. We need to be talking, listening to the Lord regularly. How in the world can we follow him? How in the world can we have his direction and his vision if we are not in communication with him, if we are not expecting to receive from him? Prayer is that, that medium, that, that way that that happens. It's massive. And like I said, there's no mention of prayer here, but listen to this. We know from all of Paul's writings and his letters to the church that he was a person of prayer. We have in our Bibles 32 different prayers that he wrote to the church where he wrote to them to encourage them. He wrote to them to stay faithful. He wrote to them to urge them to, to put away the, uh, the old stuff or the stuff that's leading them away from God and to, and to follow him. He wrote letters to them of prayers. At least 41 times we know that he, he talks about the, the importance of prayer as he went about his ministry. And I would argue that prayer even though it's not explicitly mentioned here, it's a pivotal point in everything that we're talking about today. For the simple fact of this, God rerouting you and the enemy derailing you can often seem like the same thing. God rerouting you and the enemy derailing you can often seem, feel like the same thing. And the only way you're going to know the difference is through prayer. The only way you're going to know the difference is through prayer. God, is this you? Lord, would you show me? <laughs> would you confirm it through your word? Would you reveal this, God? Is this you? Are you the one that's making this crooked path? Or is this the enemy? Is this you, God? Do I push through this? Did you close the door or is this the enemy trying to discourage me? Like we only know that through prayer. Do I kick down this, this obstacle or is this, is this the enemy's opposition? And I believe that Paul only knew that this was God shutting down his small plans because he knew the Lord through prayer. Prayer gives us that lens that I'm talking about. Prayer gives us that lens by which we look at things and go, oh, yeah, that is a twist and turn. Yeah, that is a crooked path. Yeah, that is not the straight line. Yeah, that is not my plans. That, isn't, that doesn't seem the most logical thing, but this is of the Lord. Prayer gives us that. Prayer helps, prayer helps us discern whether that's the enemy trying to derail us or God trying to reroute us. And I, I don't know if I need to say this, but I will Friends, your gauge apart from the word of God and prayer and the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life, your gauge for what's straight and what's crooked, for what's this is what God's doing versus this is what's not, it is hopelessly skewed. And so is mine. I just needed to say that in case we thought, well, no, I've got a pretty good handle on this. We'll see. In an ever-changing world, ever-changing world, who do we serve? A God who is never changing. It might look like this to get, but he, it's never changing. He is, he is consistent. We are the ones that he wants to bring into his never-changing activity. 
The Bible says that who is Jesus Christ? He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the same. We're the ones. Everything else in the world changes except for him. And he's not random, though we might want to say so. And do you know this? God often (laughs) works in ways that we just flat out mislabel. We do not give him credit. Here's what I mean by that. Something happens and you go, it was, that was so crazy. This was so random. You know, it was such a coincidence when, and it's these like really cool things, like things that are like, wow, like they're so cool. You were telling someone about it, but you preface it with the most random thing happened when, and we're just mislabeling stuff God's doing all the time. He's not random and he's not coincidental. I had one time, I was a brand new Christian. I had someone say this. It stuck with me. They were like, I don't believe in coincidence. I think everything's an on purpose. He's not random. It's not just so happens. Here's, here's what I mean. Look at the text. They try to go to two different cities and they get a no. Not just a no. They get a no from the Holy Spirit. So they end up in a third city, Troas. Well, what's the significance of that? Troas is a port city. They're in Troas. They've spent the night, obviously, because Paul has a dream during the night. So they're already in the port city. And in the dream is a man from across the water who says, would you come to us and help us? So when, Paul, when Luke records, immediately we got up and went. Guess what? They just had to walk a little bit to, to the docks and rent a boat and go over to Macedonia. If they had been in another town, another place, it would have been traveling and get there and all that. It's like what we think is crooked and what we think is random, God has lined it all up. Paul had his small plans and God had something much bigger. We need God's direction. We need God's vision. And oh my goodness, the only way to really have that is through prayer. We need this. And none of it is random. All of this is so important. You know, I almost, (laughs) the term uncertain times has been a a phrase for a couple of years now. But don't we need certainties in uncertain times? Don't we? Don't you crave (laughs) certainty in uncertain times? Like that true north, you know, the anchor that holds in the storm when everything else is blowing around? We need that. And friends, our God is a certain God. We need his direction, we need his vision, we need his prayer. As we shift our focus to the communion table, I would like for you to keep this focus. It was the message that Paul went out to do. With the best of intentions, he wanted to share this message. And, and he continued to share this message. When he went to Macedonia, it was the same message. Every, no matter it was a city, continent, uh, urban, suburb, rural, whatever it was, the same message was given. And here it is. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He came to take away the sins of the world. He gave his life, his body broken, his blood poured out so that your sins may be forgiven and you may have new life. That's the message. And that's what communion signifies. It's the message Paul delivered wherever the Lord led him. 
And my prayer for us today is that we will see that and we will, okay, God, I've been, I've been calling some stuff crooked that you're actually saying is, no, this is exactly where I want you to be. And then we'll be faithful to the gospel in those situations, in those circumstances. We will be faithful. See, we sometimes want small things when God actually has something bigger for us. I'm going to ask those who are serving communion if you would come and prepare the elements as I pray for us. Um, I want to say this before we come to receive. This table is open to everybody. If this happens to be your first time here when we're sharing communion and you're like, I don't don't know what's about to happen here. (laughs) Or you're like, I know the communion thing, but I'm not a member here or whatever that is. Listen, this table is open. If you desire to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, this table is open for you. And we come to receive. We don't come to take it. We come to receive. It's a very humbling gesture to open your hands and turn your palms open. But we come to receive. And so I pray that you will have that mindset as you come. Let's pray together. Lord, this table is... um, a significant visual, uh, physical representation of your work. And we could just see it as loaves of bread and some chalices of grape juice. We could. But I, I pray, Lord, that we would see these, the significance of these in such a way that we pause and recognize the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We can talk about vision and direction and prayer. But apart from Jesus, those are attempts. Those are religious attempts to get to you. Jesus is the only one who bridged the gap. Jesus is the only one who took took our place. Jesus is the only one who makes it possible for us to, to be in the presence of a holy God because when you see us, Lord, you see the work of Christ. You've saved us. You've restored to us life. Lord, through this participation and communion this morning, I pray that our hearts would be changed in such a way to where this is not an activity, a a ritual. This is an act of worship. This is our worship of who you are. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.